Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee lovers. Welcome to the Coffee Is Me podcast. I'm your host, Valerian Hrala, and I'm very well caffeinated to start this episode. I think I'm not wrong when I say that most coffee professionals dream of going to their origin, tasting the coffee cherry and frolicking on a farm like Chaldees goats in the 15th century in Ethiopia. But have you ever wondered what do baristas from the origin dream of? We know that 10-20 years ago in many producing countries, drinking coffee was not something what was done. Heck, many of the coffee farmers did not even taste their coffee. This is rapidly changing and origin countries opening amazing cafes where locals, tourists and farmers can be united by the art of the barista. A good example is Daniel Sibomana from Kigali's Question Cafe. Daniel works as a barista in the mansion cafe and recently he visited the San Francisco Bay Area. So I was curious, you know, how does his cafe in Kigali looks like and also how does he perceive the world in the San Francisco Bay Area? But before we cut to the meat of this podcast, I have a few announcements from the friends of this podcast. The third Bay Victim, a yearly international coffee exchange, is starting soon. You don't know what it is? Well, huh? The idea of this exchange is that you give a bag of third wave coffee and receive a bag of third wave coffee. With the German precision engineering, the third wave Wichtel connects people in a way that nobody will receive coffee from his own country and nobody receives coffee from the country where they shipping to. Isn't this crazy? Isn't this amazing? I have to say I'm always excited about this event because Green Plantation, my European company, is participating in this event for a while now. And not only that, but our customers do too. So I can see Green Plantation all over the world and I can see the Instagram photos and Facebook posts. And that's pretty awesome to see your coffee all over the world. Just to give you an idea, in 2015, they had more than 2,000 participants from 65 countries. Markus Reuter, André Krüger and Thorsten Keller are doing an amazing job. Thank you guys and I hope this event will become even bigger than before. So if you are listening, if you have a coffee company or you're just a coffee fan, check them out and participate because this is an awesome coffee event. Okay, the next announcement is uh, from our friend Dietmar Fogemann. You remember him from the podcast on Vietnamese coffee. He's starting a new project called SpecialGrinds.com. SpecialGrinds.com is a worldwide coffee marketplace for specialty coffee. He's looking for the first few roasters who want to sell their coffee via his platform. So if you are interested, if you think that this can be the next big thing for you, contact him. All the contact information to Third Wave Wichten and also to uh, specialgrinds.com will be in the show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes to this episode. And after this show, I have a few more announcements you might be interested in. So you can, you know, stay uh, with me. Uh, one would be what happened with the podcast. Some of you know we had technical difficulties. And how does this experience relate to your business? Second, how can you mess up a sale? My personal fail story from a Black Friday deal. And three, is political harassing on Facebook the new norm? All this after the show. All right, then. So tell me more about yourself. So uh, 
when did you have your first cup of coffee? Do you remember that? Yes, I, I do remember. Uh, my first time to taste a cup of coffee, actually, it wasn't a cup of coffee. It was a, a cup of tea of coffee. I don't know where I get, you know what I mean? No. It was, it was the time my dad was a, a coffee grower. So he harvested coffee and uh, he decided to roast the coffee traditionally using the uh, the flying pan. We roast the coffee was uh, too dark. So he grounded the coffee manually. And uh, yeah, he just announced in the family that today we'll drink the tea of coffee. So uh, I just came to know that that was coffee because that was not Tea, uh, it was a coffee. <laughs> in my country, tea is uh, it's, it's like in our culture, everyone loves tea, and uh, even now there are some um, some of Rwandese who come in a cafe, they ask for tea of coffee. <laughs> yeah. How did you like it? Oh yeah, the first cup I liked it because uh, it has a kind of a good smell. Um, and again, we added sugar. Oh, it was tasting good. So too much sugar. <laughs> but I really, really love the smell uh, than maybe the sweetness in the cup. Mm -hmm. How old were you? I think uh, uh, I was um, six. Oh, cool. Starting early. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I started early. Yeah, but it, it took like that was the first cup, and then maybe um, uh, it took like 10 years without tasting any other cup of coffee. So that was the first one. <laughs> it's interesting that you said that because my kids, I have two kids, I have one daughter and one son, and both of them, they tried the coffee first time when they were around six. And it was their curiosity. So, and I let them do that. But then my daughter doesn't drink. She doesn't like it. It's bitter for her. She likes, you know, sweet stuff. And, <laughs> and my son, he, he drinks coffee every morning now. He's 11, but he started when he was nine. So from nine, nine years on, he has every morning his uh, coffee with sugar and milk, obviously. So okay. I have to control him. He doesn't dump the whole, you know, sugar bowl into the <laughs> coffee. <laughs> but, but I'm saying you this because people think that, you know, when you start to drink coffee as a kid, that you are crazy, you know, so we are not crazy. We are just, we just yes, love coffee. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's crazy. It's just uh, like the passion and uh, yeah, coffee is uh, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me one thing, man. It's uh, you are from a coffee grower's family, and yeah. you are a barista. How did it happen? Uh, I would say that it's a miracle. Because uh, uh, <laughs> uh, my first job in uh, coffee industry, I just uh, moved from the countryside and come to the city. I I applied for a job. Uh, I didn't know even like that's a coffee shop. I just applied for a job. So I was given a job of uh, cleaning the roasting machine, uh, taking care of uh, uh, packaging and uh, delivering coffee to um, other cafes because we had about five stores. So to make sure that all the stores, they have coffee, but um, 
I, I did not roast coffee. I, it was in the roasting room, but it, I, I did not roast coffee by then. So um, later, my uh, head roaster, he was like, oh, you need to come and see what I'm doing. Maybe in future, you'll be the one roasting this coffee. So actually, uh, I started this uh, career of coffee industry roasting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then you Are became they... barista later? Oh uh, yeah, becoming a barista, I would say like it was uh, because of the challenges. Sometimes uh, I could roast coffee, and then I get some compliment. All the barista they come, they they come to the roasting room. They were like uh, customers. They are complaining, "What's wrong? This coffee is too dark. Uh, maybe you have to roast it a little bit uh, medium." I kind of so uh, I was curious to know what makes this customer complaining. So I could uh, go to the espresso machine and also dial espresso. I taste the mix, uh, some drinks to make sure that what what can I, can I change? So is it too dark? Is bitter? So yeah, that's that's how I started the uh, playing with the espresso machine. Man, you did, you went through the whole chain. You went from the farm. You went then to roast it, and then you went uh, to serve it. That, that's pretty cool, man. So, yeah. you know, when it comes to roasting, you said that people came to complain to you that they were not happy with the coffee. I yeah. mean, is it something which uh, is typical for your country? Let's say that people like to kind of like tell their opinion all the time and kind of like criticize? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say like... A- um Rwandis, they don't uh, criticize or complain, but uh, the cafe where I worked was um, the class one. It was the good coffee shop in the country. So we could uh, have uh, visitors, uh, foreigners who are in the country, or some who are presenting their country, some who... Who, who are heading the NGOs, so who knows coffee, who started drinking coffee um, on the edge of your, your daughter. <laughs> so, uh, so they knew coffee and they, they know how well, the good coffee tastes. So I think those are the ones who, can, who, can compl- who could complain. Okay, so they basically gave you a feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm asking this because uh, I'm coming from a country where everybody knows everything, <laughs> including me, by the way. <laughs> so, we like, <laughs> so we like to share our opinions very strongly. And sometimes it's uh, very challenging when you de- develop a product like a coffee, right? You uh, develop your roasting style and then people come to you and tell you do something different. And I think that a good roaster in my world uh is a guy who tells himself, no, this is what I do. This is what I believe in. And, uh, you know, you either go what I do or you either, you know, uh, find somebody else because there are many different rosters. So this is how I built my company in Europe. Because if we would listen to everyone, then we would end up with, you know, we would not have really a face. We would not really have a soul. We would do something like everything, you know. So what we do, we do light rows and uh, yeah. that's what we're known for. So, uh, Okay, cool. So how, how does uh, a cafe in Kigali look like? How, how, how is your coffee look like? Cafe, sorry, not coffee. 
Cafe in Kigali, I'd say like a uh, Kigali is a growing city. We have uh, we have uh, some cafe in Kigali, which um, I'd say like there are not many. There are few cafes which uh, are dedicated to serve the best coffee, and uh, there's other cafes which are basically coffee shop. They sell uh, food, and you can also get a cup of coffee, but they they normally are based on selling food. Uh, other cafes, it's like you can get a coffee in the uh, hotels in Kigali. Yeah. Um, and um, many of uh, 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 the people that drink coffee in Kigali, I'd say like uh, there are high percentages uh, foreigners. Uh, those are the customers for coffee we have in the country. Okay, so how is your coffee look like? What kind of equipment do you have? How many seats? And uh... oh yeah, my cafe in Kigali mm-hmm. uh, actually is called Question Coffee. Question Coffee. Yeah. Why uh, question? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had uh, that bland Question Coffee because uh, we know that uh, through asking questions to our guests, ask questions to. Farmers, we get to know their challenges. Uh, we ask questions to our guests to make sure that we are making what they like, to make sure that they, uh, we can teach if uh, they just drink coffee but no idea. But if we ask questions, so we can maintain the quality of coffee. As the the coffee in Rwanda is processed well, because. Uh, Government also uh, has participated in growing the growing spe- producing special coffee. So we also need uh, to keep that uh, up to the cup. So we uh, process good coffee, but also we serve good coffee. So uh, we can achieve that through asking questions. Uh, either ourselves, if we ask ourselves, if we are consistent. Uh, if our farmers are getting a uh, good price to their coffee. So, yeah, that's an idea of Question Coffee. <laughs> nice. I love it. It's really good. I love the the name Question Coffee. So you always question the quality and everything around coffee. So how yeah. does it look like? Oh, yeah. Um, it looks nice. Question everything is the model. So we love that uh, our customers, they can come in a cafe. They ask, they ask where coffee is sourced from. They asked about uh, women coffee farmers that we work with, uh, how that uh, growing coffee has impacted their life. Oh, yeah. And uh, we also feel like uh, our farmers they grow coffee, but it has been long-term growing coffee in the country, but a few who knows how coffee looks like in the cup. So we do have a, a cupping discussion with farmers, with agronomists, uh, and they also our customers, they can, I mean, our farmers, they can get to talk to uh, our customers. Mm, yeah. I love that. That's really cool. Uh, we have that like uh, every week Friday, so we do cupping with our uh, customers, with farmers, agronomists, baristas. So yeah, we have a, a discussion. Oh, I love that. That's uh, something which uh, 
we in a northern hemisphere we cannot do because we don't have coffee farmers too much unless you guys visit us time to time so but that's not the same as having every friday cupping and kind of giving the feedback to the farm so that sounds awesome so okay so how about your cafe so when you open well, who are your customers except you know uh these kind of semi-professional things who is your let's say everyday customer my everyday customers mostly they are um foreigners who who like to drink good coffee so they like they come every day or that's on the retail side because we also have wholesale side so yeah my everyday customers they are foreigners but again there's a rwandese who come in my cafe uh, some I do take time to teach them how uh, coffee tastes different and how they can be able to drink good cup of coffee, not only in my cafe, but uh, like everywhere that they go for a cup of coffee, they make sure that the barista who's uh, making coffee is nourished by in coffee. So yeah, we do have, uh, like, when, uh, I need to educate also my customers mostly around this uh, are they open to be educated yeah sure cool. yeah they are they are open then if you tell the coffee story how coffee tastes different so they are they are really interested to cool. hear cool. that so when i come into your cafe uh i enter the doors uh what what can i see on your menu what kind of drinks do you offer um currently i offer only coffee uh my menu is only coffee. I but I mean, have, is, is it espresso? Is it pour over? Oh yeah, I have both. I have espresso. I have pour over, and I have cold brew. Oh, so you having a complete uh, coffee me- cafe menu? Yeah, when it sure. comes to coffee. I, yeah. Uh, my yeah, my menu is complete. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can ask for cappuccinos, flat whites, cortados. Totally, you can get a cappuccino, flat white, cortado, macchiato, cafe latte. Nice. Cool. But uh, no hot chocolate, no caramel macchiato. Oh, <laughs> you you can experience the natural sweetness and natural chocolate in your coffee, then, right? Oh yeah, oh, um, I, that's the my future plan to see, um which sweet coffee I can add on my menu to make sure that, uh, yeah. Uh, my visit to all stores of Equator, so I get another experience. I get to know, like, uh, not everyone who likes uh, uh, um, coffee, but the people, they also need a sweet coffee. So, um so um, having those customers, it's also really important. Mm-hmm. If I have, like, let's say, five customers at a time, so one of them maybe will 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 need a sweet coffee. So, yeah, you know, I did an experiment, and I I think I said this on a podcast, which surprised me, by the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I used to uh, do filming in San Francisco, okay. uh, and uh, when I had a break. I always went to a very cool, very awesome uh, cafe called Side Glass. And they also roast their own coffee. I don't know if you know them. I was there yesterday. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so they were not open yet at that time. They just had a little, like a cart in front of their store. By the way, the store is awesome. But what I was doing, I was sitting down 
and telling, you know, counting how many people ordered, let's say, a, a espresso shot or a, uh, like a pour over, and how many people ordered some kind of milk-based drink like cappuccino or flat white or you name it. So, because my assumption was that these guys are bringing amazing coffees, right? These are the top uh, specialty grade coffees. And my assumption was that customers will ask for a coffee without milk and without sugar. <laughs> so, what, what do you think? What was the ratio between people who were drinking black and people who were drinking a milk-based drink? Uh, for me, I would say, like... Many of my customers, they, uh, they drink coffee with milk because the cappuccino is, you know, is the high selling. So, yeah. But uh, again, I also have some who come so, uh, short of espresso. Well, I'll tell you how it was at Sideglass. At Sideglass, one out of ten people ordered a non-milk-based drink. So nine people ordered something milky and sweet. <laughs> and most of them they had I remember they had this kind of like a little jar with chocolate inside I don't know some kind of chocolate uh, stuff they did I don't know uh, they used it for their uh, macchiato but some kind of homemade something syrup I guess and most of the people actually ordered that it looked awesome it's not that it's just like I was surprised how many people go to a special place where they offer very special coffees for a lot of money because that's very special there and yet they put milk in it and, and chocolate goops and stuff. So I don't know it was like it was for me. It was eye opening because I think at, up to that point I was naive that it's all about coffee. It's you know it's all about also experience and everything. We had a podcast with Devora before that, so that was uh, very good to talk about you know accessibility and you know uh, how are different people enjoying coffee. So anyhow, that was my experience just to share with you. You came here a few weeks ago. Why? Yeah. Why did you come to check out San Francisco Bay Area? I I came to run to learn how we can uh, we, we can start a good coffee community to the origin uh, and also learn uh, more about uh, cafe how. The cafe works. What makes uh, people like coffee? Is there like a, a good coffee, or is it ex, 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 uh, the experience in a cafe, or is it the good food in a cafe? Yeah, just to see what I can ship in my country to the origin, so that we also start drink our coffee that we grow. So what did you do? Uh, did you go to different cafes, roasteries, or how, how was your uh, day here? How, how do you spend your day here? Days? Uh, I spent a week at Boot Coffee Campus. I had like a week course, uh, sit to cup, or barista expectation, uh, brewing, cupping, coffee, uh, green coffee, grading, it was a week of education, and um, another week I have to move to different cafes, five stores of uh, Equera. So see, uh, talk to their customer, uh, make coffee drinks, uh, talk to the managers how they work, and um, what makes their coffee good, 
what makes their customer stays, what is uh, what their customer like the most. Yeah, that sounds like dream come true for every coffee lover, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 was. Did you spend some time in the roastery? Oh yes, I went to the roastery too. I see the big production roasting. Uh, almost on twenty four seven, cupping different coffees, uh, making how they make blend. So, what did you roast on in Kigali when you were a roaster? What kind of machine did you have? Kigali, I used Gisten, uh one kilogram capacity, and I roast once in a week. That's sweet, man. Gisen, <laughs> wow! I was, I was, I thought that you would have some kind of like you know very basic stuff. I mean, that's better equipped than my roaster in Slovakia. Okay, so how did you like uh, Equator roasters? The they have lorrying and they have a big San Franciscan there. Yes, they have a big San Francisco. They have another machine which has been there about 20, 20 years ago, which still uh, very very good. So I use that one roasting. Oh, the uh, small one, the Saint Impianti, that little one. I think that, yeah, the little one. Yes. Oh, wow, that's hard roaster to roast on. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. I roast, uh, I roast one batch, and then as well, I was also able to cap it. Yeah, and I worked with the team trying to explain to me like how they do all the process, how they receive green coffee, how long steak, what. Like they tell to their customer if maybe one single original is still in um, in a sea coming, so yeah, kind of. And uh, also how they maintain the quality, capping, making sure that they are consistent. Here is here is uh, a big one. So you visited all these places, mm-hmm. cafes. What did surprise you that it's so different here than let's say at home? Something different here, uh, people rain up waiting for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I never see that in my country. And then I, I, I want to see that in my country. People raining up waiting for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> people love coffee so much. They, they are so friendly. Uh, coffee community here in Bay is big, very big. There's, uh, coffee, this cafe to each and every corner in this Bay Area. Yeah, and, and each is different, right? That's different from my country. You can drive miles to get a cup of coffee. Oh, <laughs> and people not lining up. So I guess people need to drink more coffee. You know, that yeah. was very strange to me too, that when you have a good product, and it's not only about coffee, it's also about food, let's say restaurants or bars. People line up. In my country... I'm also from Europe. They mm. they don't line up. What we would do, you just go to the next one. Here, yeah. people will go like, I want to go to this one, and I want to experience this coffee, this restaurant, and they line up. Mm. And sometimes, you know, especially in a, in, a, in, a, in a cafe, it's like maybe I waited most like 15, 20 minutes, and, you know, that's okay. But in sometimes in a restaurant, you have to wait for an hour to get a seat. And for me, that's like, why would you do that? Just go home and cook for yourself, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so the, I agree with you with the lines. That's a very strange thing here in the United States. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Like yesterday, I went for lunch, and uh, we need to, right now, waiting for lunch. We took like 30 minutes online just to get the menu. So yeah. it's fun. <laughs> 
It's indifferent. So, okay, uh, how about the techniques? Have you learned some uh, barista technique? You say, oh, this is awesome. I want to try this uh, in Kigali. Or maybe perhaps you saw some drink which Equator or other cafe makes and you go like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do this in Kigali. Apart from uh, working in different uh, stores of Equator, I also uh, went to some different cafes. I went to Rachel Coffee Roasters. I met Irene. Irene, she's a really great woman. She gave me, uh, I would say, like a wrong presentation about what she's doing and uh, uh, how she started. She gave me like a, a great experience. Um, and, um, how she uh, she tries to make uh, her customers stay and feel like uh, they are cared. So making sure that at least you keep changing and you change things that will make your customers uh, feel like they are cared. So oh, having like a signature drink, uh, at least every month you have something new to your, on your menu. So I would say like in Retro Coffee Roasters, so I got some tips that I can ship to my cafe. And also went to Brew Bottle. I we did capping. Uh, I checked on their menu specials they have. Uh, there are also things that I can steal from their menu, and then there are like uh, some um, product that I can get from locally, so I can use that to make sure that I produce the coffee, coffee drink that it can be Rwandese they can like. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so, for barrel. I went to side class. So, like, uh, where are you? If you are on rush, so there's bar, uh, one bar you go, they, you pay and they, you get your coffee just rush. And there's another bar where you, if you want coffee experience, so you go to that bar, you talk with the barista, uh, he or she explain uh, the coffee is he's brewing uh, and the brewing ratio. Uh, what make their coffee taste go? Oh, yeah, kind of so different bars and yeah, people to get the experience about coffee. I can imagine that you know, for every barista who is uh, here, a dream go to origin is always there. Uh, what does a Rwandan barista dream of? Oh, a dream for a Rwandan barista is my dream <laughs> um, being a successful person in coffee industry that's fast and then also like a traveling to uh, uh, the countries which are developed in the coffee industry to get the experience and uh, learn more about uh, coffee so there's uh, I would say like there's lack of uh, Knowledge in coffee preparation, so everyone is dream like to get uh, to get the knowledge in coffee preparation. Okay, so no world barista champion or something like that. Oh, there's a there was a barista champion like uh, four years ago, um, but currently we don't have a barista champion. So I I feel like also that's not good. 
So, but I, you don't want to be a barista champion, like a world barista champion. That would be so much awesome. <laughs> I wish that I, I can represent my country somewhere brewing coffee. Say that I'm from Rwanda. I'm the barista champion. And, so uh, and, good. <laughs> and do you want, do you plan to go back to your farm, or uh, you want to stay uh, to be a, or you want to be a barista? Uh, being a barista is good. It's uh, uh, the work that I like. I like being a barista because uh, you get connected to the people, you get uh, customer interaction, you get to explain what you're doing. Um, you get uh, you explain you teach people how they can drink good coffee, and you also feel like uh, you need to do the best than yesterday. So every day is uh, it's a new day in the uh, coffee industry. So you feel like hey, I can do more. I can do more. So we barista is I would say like it's a work. It's a work for art you create. Yeah, but I wish like every barista can visit the origin, can go to the coffee plantation where they process coffee, yeah, and get an idea. Yeah, I I agree with you. So uh, I always used to say to baristas and everybody who is in coffee that they have to realize that a farmer works with a coffee for almost 12 months, depends on the origin. The roaster works with it 16 minutes max, right? That's the darkest roast you can go. And a barista, depending on a preparation method, it's just a couple of minutes, right? So I think that everybody in a chain has to go to farm and see the hard work to appreciate the coffee all the way. So, all right. Thank you, man. This was awesome. Uh, I hope you had fun in the San Francisco Bay Area. I have to say that since I moved here, I'm every day inspired by amazing coffee people. And, uh, well, I hope uh, you had fun and I hope you bring home some awesome ideas and uh, make the best cafe in Kigali. <laughs> Thank you so much, Varelia. It was, uh, it was great to talk to you. Yeah. Good Ooh. questions. Uh, you, uh, you are cool, man. As <laughs> Deborah told me, so I'm, um, yeah, I'm glad that we've talked. <laughs> I don't have bad questions. <laughs> As always, I had a blast with this episode, and I hope you guys did too. You know, for me, learning other cultures, experiencing other places, it's a, it's a big thing. And if you ask me what I'm working for today, is that one day when I retire, I can take uh, my wife or my kids and just go and experience the world. I love episodes when people from different cultures uh, give us the insights to their world. And now it's time to talk about the uh, promised points. You know, I'm going to do this unplugged. There's no notes. So I hope I will not ramble too long about each of them. So you know, guys, that uh, I had issue with the RSS feed. I mean, RSS feed is something what takes the podcast and distributes it to all channels. Because, you know, you can find this podcast in Stitcher, you can find it on iTunes, you can find it all these places. But it's hosted at one place, which it used to be SoundCloud. And what happened is that I had this podcast in business category, which I wanted to change it to a category called arts slash food. Because that makes sense, right? This is a coffee podcast, this is a food podcast. But SoundCloud doesn't let you do that. SoundCloud lets you do only one category. So I could put it into arts, which 
doesn't really belong there. So that's why I ended up in business. And there's a way around it. And it worked only partially. Yes, the podcast changed into a different category, but the next episodes were not uploading. The stream was broken. And now, where is the lesson? Well, the lesson is that SoundCloud is a beautiful platform, looks amazing, and it's very easy to work with, but they have zero support. Like, seriously, zero. Like, if you ask them for help, A, you have to go to the community forum, which, you know, it depends on the other members whether they help you or not. But most importantly, they don't have their own support. I cannot imagine in a 21st century a company which does not have support. I can imagine that they will answer me, let's say, not in one hour, but few days, but you cannot contact them. You cannot contact them. So when it comes to our businesses, let's make sure that we talk to our customers. They pay us for the product. So now I found the other company called Lipsyn, and the streams will be uploaded there. And Lipsyn is amazing. Uh, they helped me right away. They knew what the issue was. They know that you know people are going to them after this experience with SoundCloud. So I know SoundCloud is not listening because I don't even think that they care at all. If you want to ever you know, do a good business, make sure you provide the support to your customers. That's so vital. You don't want to leave them sad. You don't want to leave them kind of lost with your product. So now about Black Friday deal, I made a little mistake here, and I underestimated, seriously underestimated how many people will sign up. I have certain data from almost four years now doing this, and based on those data, I opened certain allotments in, in, the, uh, in the system. The first day the deal started, it went kind of slow, but the second day it started to get nuts, and we actually sold 200% more of the allotments I originally planned for. Then the day three, it was going really crazy because we oversold for 400% more allotments than I originally planned. And that's when I had to stop the the most popular deal. So I do apologize uh, if you missed the 49.95 deal. I'm sorry about it. But on the other hand, you have to understand that I have to protect my existing customers. I made a mistake that I did underestimate the number of signups. But again, I used relevant data. I used data from four years. And uh, putting that together, I I had a certain vision that how many people will sign up during three days of this deal. I had no clue that... Uh, it will be 400% more than I was anticipated. Not 200, not 300, 400% more. But on the other hand, don't forget, guys, there was that little uh, mention that until you break the internet, and for me, you almost broke the internet. So uh, I kind of covered my bottom with that on one hand. But on the other hand, I am really sorry that some of you got disappointed. And I, again, apologize and please understand why we did that. So, so, so lesson to you guys is if you're going to run deals, uh, maybe, maybe you should demo it. Maybe you should uh, do a deal before the Black Friday and check it out. You know, how does that roll? Maybe you do it in September, October. Uh, and then when the Black Friday comes, you will probably have a more relevant data. This is what I probably will do next time in any of my businesses. Okay, the third one is a bit sensitive. It includes a bit politics and everybody is very emotional 
these days, and so am I, you know. The thing is that many of you come and request Facebook friendships with me, and I am very open to that. You know, I'm not a selective guy. If I check you out and you're another spammer, which most of you are not, I let you in. I let you into my wall. But I take it the same way as I would have invited you to my house and have coffee with you. And I tell you one thing, guys. If you come to my house and I offer you coffee and you spit it on my carpet, on my floor, I'll ask you to leave. And not only that, I'll ask you to not come back. Okay? And I think this works for everyone. Everybody's Facebook private walls are, are they private walls. So if I post something, let's say I put a big slab of meat and you're a vegetarian and you have a different opinion, you are open to tell me that. You are open to, you know, express it with one thing, polite way, okay? You have to do it in a polite way. And I was shocked, you know, how much, I'm sorry to say this word, crap I got after the elections and I can understand that people are emotional and they are like, you know, in a past victorious, you know, armies conquered places and they had these, this ecstatic feeling, you know, the, they, they felt like rampaging and like owning the place. And I feel that it's happening in the 21st century. I have to say that in a real life, I don't really have friends who would do similar reactions like I got on Facebook. But my point is that you guys, you know, many of you come to my Facebook and want to become friends with me. And I just want to warn you that if you become a friend with me, you know, you have to take the consequences that I might have a different political opinion than you. I might eat different food than you. You know, I might like different ladies than you. Okay. So that my wall reflects that. You will not find only coffee stuff there. You will find me. And me as a human being has a family, has uh, uh, food preferences, and have, has political preferences. And I, do, I, and I don't, do not do too much politics because, you know, I've worked with politics for a long time and I got disillusioned. And it goes for both sides. You know, there's BSing from the both sides. When I see something which really either hurts me or find interesting. I either share or talk about it. And you disagree, you are welcome to in a polite way. Okay? But if you tell me that you're not going to buy coffee courses because, let's say, you, I have different political opinion, don't become my friend on Facebook because you'll be disappointed. I'm not going to put any politics into coffee courses. I'm not going to put any politics anywhere. Even here, you might not even know if I'm a Trump or Hillary supporter. What I am is a guy who looks around, sees wrong, and likes to talk about it. Okay? So just keep this in mind. Do not become a friend with me or anyone else if you cannot bear the consequences that we are humans and we express our opinions. And the Facebook, guys, is the same way as people's homes. The fact that I cannot see you, the fact that I cannot see your face, you don't see me, doesn't mean I don't have feelings. It doesn't mean that I am something which, you know, just floats. It's, it's a real thing, you know. On the Facebook, the people you go after or people you're going to be nasty to are the same people you would meet on the street and you would never do that to them. So why do you do it on the Facebook? 
So just let's be kind to each other. Let's be nice to each other. And let's be friends. Whether you are meat eater, whether you are a vegetarian, whether you are gay, whether you are straight, I don't know. Who cares? In my case, we unite in coffee. In other cases, maybe you're united with recipes. I don't know. But let's be nice to each other. And if, again, this is the last time I'm saying, if you want to become my friend on Facebook, take the consequences that I am a human with opinions, preferences, and a lifestyle which might not suit you. Okay? All right, guys. That's all for this episode. I hope I did not distress you too much. And I hope this whole pressure and this nastiness what's happening these days is going to evaporate very soon. All right, guys, have just great coffee and talk to you very soon. Bye.